0: What a joy it is for me to be at Fountain of Life Church with you today. And if this is your first time in coming, please, whatever you do, come back and hear the pastor. Amen? Because you are blessed with one of the great preaching pastors in the entire IPHC. It was 1979. I was 18 years old, fresh out of high school, and called to preach. And I crossed the Mississippi River to preach for the first time. And I came to the East Coast and preached six revivals, Monday through Sunday. And the next one started Monday through Sunday. The last one went on three more nights. So I preached 45 nights in a row. Now, I could do it back then because I was that age. Now, I preach twice on Sunday and I feel like a martyr, you know. <laughs> But the very first church that I went to on that trip was not far from here, a little place called Simons Creek, Tabernacle. Anybody know where that is? And the fifth one that I went to on that journey was a place called Woodville, Woodville Pentecostal Holiness Church. And I preached at Parksville uh, a year or two later. uh, And in 1982, I actually preached a revival meeting for this church at your old location that was 40 years ago. Amen. All of that just to say, you've got an old preacher today. <laughs> you you really do. And I, uh, Pastor asked if I had any visual aids, if I was going to use, you know, like PowerPoint. And sometimes we do, but you know what? When I started preaching back before the flood, nobody used it. So <laughs> today, you're going to have to just kind of do it the old-fashioned way and listen with the uh, the ears of the Lord and and I really hope uh, that, uh, well, he, I, I know he's going to do something for us. He's going to touch our hearts. But I hope you'll leave grateful for the, the word of the living God. I want to read today from Second Samuel chapter 9. 2 Samuel 9 and begin reading in verse 1. So This is a somewhat familiar o- Old Testament story. 2 Samuel 9, verse 1. And David said, Is there yet any that is left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? And there was of the house of Saul a servant whose name was Ziba. And when they had called him unto David, the king said unto him, Are you Ziba? And he said, Your servant is he? And the king said, Is there not yet any of the house of Saul that I may... Show the kindness of God unto him. And Ziba said unto the king, Jonathan has yet a son, which is lame on his feet. And the king said unto him, Where is he? And Ziba said to the king, Behold, he's in the house of Maker, the son of Amiel, in Lodibar. Then King David sent and fetched him out of the house of Maker, the son of Amiel from Lodibar, now When Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, was come unto David, he fell on his face and did reverence. And David said, Mephibosheth. And he answered, Behold your servant. And David said unto him, Fear not, for I will surely show you kindness for Jonathan your father's sake, and will restore to you all the land of Saul your father, and you shall eat bread at my table continually. He bowed himself and said, What is your servant that thou should look upon such a dead dog as I am? Then the king called Dezeba, Saul's servant, and said to him, I've given unto your master's son all that pertain to Saul and to all his house. You therefore and your sons and your servants shall till the land for him and you shall bring in the fruits that your master's Son may have food to eat, but Mephibosheth, your master's son, he shall eat bread always at my table. Now Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. And then said Ziba unto the king, According to all that my lord the king has commanded his servant, so shall your servant do. And as for Mephibosheth, said the king, he shall eat at my table as one of the king's sons. And Mephibosheth had a son named Micah, and all that dwelt in the house of Zebul were servants unto Mephibosheth. So Mephibosheth dwelt in Jerusalem, for he did eat continually at the king's table. He was lame on both his feet. Now some of you are thinking, he read the whole chapter right there. okay? But we had to do it We've already taken up the offering. You may as well stay and see how the story ends. I want to talk to you about this one man's name, Mephibosheth. And in the days and weeks and months to come after this service, if you forget his name or can't pronounce it, the real title of my message is An Invitation from the King. An Invitation from the King. You Bible readers will recognize that the first king... Of Israel was named Saul. He was the people's choice but he really wasn't God's choice. The Lord wanted to be king over the people but because they wanted to have a ruler like the other nations, God allowed it to be so. As long as Saul reigned in humility, God blessed his kingdom but when he was lifted up in pride, things went the other way and it wasn't long before the throne was taken from him and David became the new king in Israel. One of the first things David did when he came to power, he remembered a promise he had made to Saul's son, Jonathan. They had become very, very close friends. And he promised to take care of any of his family if indeed he ever came to the throne. And so that's the background for the story. When the old servant Ziba is summoned by David... He's asked, is there anybody still alive from the house of Saul? And the servant thought for a moment, and all he could come up with, he said, Jonathan had a son. His name is Mephibosheth, and he's living in Lodibar. Now, that doesn't mean much to us, but Lodibar is at the other end of the country from Jerusalem. It's about as far as you can go. It's a place that's isolated and cut off. It's evidently the poorest part of the country. You didn't want to be from Lodibar, but that's where Mephibosheth is living. And beside all that, the old servant said, "He's, he's flawed, he's crippled. He's lame, not just on one leg, but both of his feet. He can't walk. But when David heard that, I read to you what his reply was. He said, bring me the boy, bring me the son. And so they have a makeshift meeting that is set up and somebody brings this cripple from Lodibar into the presence of David. Mephibosheth is shaking, he's trembling. In Bible days when a new king came to power and you know, many times they would kill all of the family members of the first empire so they wouldn't have any threat to their throne. He's trembling and shaking saying, what does the king have to do with me? See, and I'm like a dead dog. You talk about low self-esteem. This is no self-esteem. He says, I'm not just a dog. I'm the equivalent of a dead dog. But David will hear of none of that. He said, there's two things I want to do for you. One, I want to give you back all of the land that pertain to your grandfather, Saul. And I want you to come and eat bread with me at my table continually. And every time I read that story, my heart just begins to leap and I say there's no other word for that except grace, amen? Amen. The grace of God. I sat in a philosophy class about uh, 25 plus years ago in Oklahoma City and the teacher, everything he taught, I didn't believe and about everything I believed, you know, he didn't. And there was a conflict constantly, but I remember him saying he'd like to throw off on the Bible. And he said, the God of the Old Testament and the God of the New Testament are different. It can't be the same God. Therefore, the Bible can't be true. He said, in the Old Testament, God is a God of judgment and harshness. and He's killing people. And you get to the New Testament, Jesus comes talking about love. So he said, they're different gods. The Bible can't be true. And and I remember he encouraged participation. And I remember responding to him. And uh, he, he wanted that to happen. And, and I said, from my vantage point, there is only one God, and he's the same in both Testaments. And how many of you know when you go to the New Testament, he is a God of love, but he's still a God of judgment and holiness and righteousness there. And when you go to the Old Testament, it's not all just it's grace and mercy. And here's an example of it right here in 2 Samuel chapter 9. Now, everything we know about Mephibosheth to this point is what I just read to you. So, if you've read chapter 9, you know the whole story about this man, except for one thing. Earlier, back in the the early chapters, at the beginning of chapter 3 or 4, there was a battle that was going on in the village years ago, and the village was being besieged, and people had to flee very quickly picture in your mind some of the images we're watching with horror of the the innocent U- Ukrainian people by the thousands now numbering a million or more refugees fleeing their country fleeing the battle that was what was going on when a nurse picked up this little boy five years old shed, and she was running with him carrying him to safety But she stumbled and some way, somehow, he slipped out of her arms and he hurt himself on both feet. And his legs never did grow back together just right. And evidently, he never did get proper medical treatment and so he's raised from that point on, he's been a cripple. Now, I try to, when I preach or when I study the scripture, I try to picture these things happening in my mind. Do you read the Bible with an imagination? When you read, you do read the Bible. You've heard of the Bible. Okay. But when you read it, you, as long as that imagination is sanctified, I think it's good to, to do that. But I'm trying to picture what's happening. She's fleeing for her life and the life of this, this little fellow. Five years old. Some five-year-olds are pretty good size. Some way, somehow, while she's running to avoid the invading army, she stumbles. She trips. Something happened. The little fellow... He fell out of her her arms. Is that what happened? I've read it. That's what it said. And I picture it in my mind, and really the only way, the only thing you can say what happened, she dropped him. Okay? That's the simple truth. She did not mean to do it. It wasn't on purpose. She has no intent to harm the little fellow. She's trying to help him. She's trying to save him. But she dropped him and he got hurt and wounded and he never did grow the right way. You say, Brother Terry, what's the purpose of this message? We understand the historical story, but what does that have to do with us here in this day? Here's what it has to do with me and my assignment to come and preach to you today on a regular basis, on an increasing basis. I have an inclination from the Spirit of God when I stand up to preach in a place like this, I'm preaching to more and more people that have been dropped. This is a whole world of dropped people. I'm talking about people that's carried some wounds and some hurts and some scars for a long, long time. Some of them have been dropped. They've, they, it happened in childhood like with Mephibosheth. We've got a whole generation that's been raised, and it's always been sold, but it seems to be escalating, that's been sexually abused, physically abused, verbally abused. How many of you know, if you grow up just hearing how worthless and insignificant and unintelligent and unattractive you are, if a child listens to that every day, they're not going to be all right. They're going to carry that baggage with them into adulthood some of these drops don't happen when we're children some of them happen when we're older some of them happen in marriages when all of a sudden out of the clear blue a husband or a wife leaves a note and says i'm done and they're out of here and the and the spouse is dropped how many of you know you can get dropped in church too you can get hurt in church by seemingly well-meaning people but somebody says something or does something or in something and well you're scarred many people out on the on the shores as outcasts today a million miles away from the church because they got hurt somewhere in the past now i don't know if you agree with my 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 declaration that there's been uh, you know, an increase in the number of drop people today. I don't know if you agree with that or not, but I hope you agree that if the preacher thinks that is true, it, that should impact and influence what he or she says when they get up to preach to people like you. If I know that there might be some drop people here this morning, the Lord seemingly is reminding me of that every time I get up to speak. And so that influences what, what I'm going to say. Pastor Hans, a great Bible preacher, he didn't give me any restrictions, parameters, didn't give me a theme. He just said, preach the word, and he knew that I would today. But I'm, in thinking about this message, I kept being reminded of drop people, people that have been dropped. If that's true, then the message needs to be a lifeline of hope for those who are hurting. Let me give you an example. When when I was about five years old, my twin brother and I were taken by our mom and dad to a church service in northeastern Oklahoma, country church. I I just have a few memories. I have a memory of a huge chart stretched across the platform up at the front. And a man was teaching that night. He He had a pointer and he was pointing out all kinds of numbers and graphs, and the whole premise of his presentation was trying to show that Jesus was not born on December 25th. He had it all figured out. He went 30 minutes. He went 45. He went an hour. He went an hour and a half. He went two hours. And finally, my dear father had mercy on us, and in one of the few times I can remember growing up, we left church early. He said, come on. We're going home. Somebody asked me, I told them that one time, and they said, Well, what what day was Jesus born on? I said, I don't know. We left before he got to that part. <laughs> but if you ask me after church today, I'll tell you what a day I think he was born on. You want to know? It doesn't really matter. It doesn't matter what was the calendar date. What matters is that he came. That's what matters. The Son of God became the Son of Man so you and I, sons and daughters of men, could become sons and daughters of God. He came down so you could go up. He suffered so you could be healed. He became poor that we through his poverty might be made rich. He died so we could live. That's what matters. Just because the preacher's interested in a certain subject doesn't mean that he needs to preach that if he knows that there's a lot of drop people there. Let me give you another example. Can anybody, you, you know what happened to the Hittites? How many knows what? I didn't think so. Okay. You say, who are the Hittites? Well, we keep reading about them all through the Old Testament, right? And then finally you keep reading the Bible and, and we don't know. What happened to him? What if I get enamored with that thought? What happened to the Hittites? And I search it out and I study it and I get out my concordance and reference books. Pastor Hans asked me to come to Fountain of Life. I stand up and I deliver as best as I can a 30-minute masterpiece on what happened to the Hittites. I know what will happen. After service, you all are a kind and gracious people. You'll, you'll smile, shake my hand on the way out three or four of you that are history buffs would say, you know what, that was good. I got something out of it. But all the rest of you, I know what will happen. You'll smile at me on the way out, but when you get in the car with each other on the way home, I know what you'll say. Who cares what happened to the Hittites? Amen? Because I never know what Sunday it is. That there's going to be a young man or a young person or somebody that's been contemplating taking their own life. And they say, well, I'm going to give church one more time. I'm going to that church on that Sunday. Oh, if I can hear something that will give me a reason to live. I want to tell you what, if that happens, my friend, we need to have something more than what happened to the Hittites to share with them on that day. What if there's a couple who's... Marriage is hanging by a thread and they've gone about as far as they can together, but they say, let's give it one more chance. Let's go to that service and see if we can hear something that can help us through this thing. There's good news this morning in Elizabeth City. If you've been dropped, if you've been wounded, if you've been scarred, if you've been carrying the pain of something recently or from a long, long way ago, there's good news. There's a king who's ruling and reigning. He knows you, he loves you, he knows right where you're living. And with all your flaws and all your failures, and all your scars, he's inviting you to come into his presence. That's an invitation from the king. But listen to me. He said, I want you to come and eat with me at my table. He's not talking about just one meal and then go back home to Lodibar. He said, I want you every day, the rest of your life to be eaten at my table. This isn't just a one-time thing, but this is for keeps. But if you're going to do that, how many of you know you can't stay in Lodibar? You can't keep living in the same place the same way. When the king invites you, you're going to have a lifestyle change. And you're going to go into his presence and into his family and a place at, at his table. Well, here goes my imagination again. It may not have happened exactly like this, but I'm too far into it now to try to back out of it. I picture they're, they're bringing Mephibosheth into Jerusalem, into the palace gates, and maybe got three or four men that are carrying him, and he's laying on a cot. He certainly can't walk. And uh, there was a time, I read it in chapter 5. I'm still trying to study it out. But in Jerusalem, maybe during a war conflict, there was a time for a season the blind and the lame were not allowed within the limits of the city. That certainly doesn't under, you know, sound like the grace of God, but it was something that was enacted during a wartime. And I picture those men carrying Mephibosheth, they get to the gate, and those guards say, wait, what's he doing here? He can't come in. And in my mind, I picture Mephibosheth saying, let me me answer that. And he would say something like this. I know I don't belong. I know I probably shouldn't get to come in. I know the law says I have to stay out. But the king said I could. And if the king says I can, I think I can. Amen. I'll be the first one to tell you, listen, the law shut me out. But grace said I could come in. I want to tell you something. I know I don't belong in the family of God. I don't belong getting to meet people like you Sunday after Sunday after Sunday in my travels. I've had the most blessed life since I said yes to Jesus. I know I don't belong. I haven't earned it, but I tell you what, the king said I could. So that's why I'm here. Amen. It doesn't matter what other people say about you. You've been dropped and other people have reminded you of that maybe your whole life. But what matters is not other people saying it. It's what the king says about you. The the king said, I'm adored. The king said, I'm blessed. The king said, I'm chosen. The king said, I've been delivered. The king said, I'm emancipated. The king said, I'm free. The king said, I'm graced." The king said, I'm his. The king said I'm an overcomer. The king said I'm prized. The king said I'm quickened. The king said I'm redeemed. The king said I'm saved. The king said I'm sanctified. The king said I'm triumphant. The king said I'm victorious. The I am said I am. And if I am says I am, that means I am. I can come on in and you can come on in. Well, glory. Settle down, people. This is just a Sunday morning gathering here all right it's dinner time now at the palace okay it's dinner time and I pictured my mind King David at the head of the table filled with delicacies and food doors start opening and here come the kids here comes Solomon the wise son he's been studying in the library and he sits at the table here comes Absalom the athletic son With the long flowing hair. He sits at the table. Here comes their sister. Wearing the finest satins and silks. She sits at the table. Maybe we've got a visiting leader from a surrounding country. And he's been invited to have this meal at the table. Maybe the chariot driver once a year gets to eat at the table. And he's sitting at the table. And everybody starts to dig in. But David says, wait. We're not all here. And they look around and his kids are saying, Who's missing? And here you can hear it in the hallway. It's the sound of crutches. And a door opens up. And it's old Mephibosheth coming to the table. And when he takes his place, David says, Now we can eat. Because all the family is here. Can I tell you something? You may be sitting here feeling you're a million miles away from God. But you're surrounded by people that have known him. 5 years, 10 years, 20 years, 40 years or more. But I'm telling you, the very moment you accept His invitation, the very moment you believe on Him, do you understand? You've got just as much right to come to the table of the Lord as anybody that's been serving Him all these years. Amen, amen. Could I get the keyboardist to come and begin to play something? Am I the only one that likes to hear music at the end? Oh, I like to hear music at the end of a sermon, especially when it's a guest speaker and you don't know how long he's going to preach. Amen. (laughs) Especially when you don't know, he doesn't announce how many points he has. Amen. Do I look like a rookie? People, this is not my first rodeo or roundup (laughs) or revival. But there's just something about it. When you hear the music, you, you feel better. Amen. See, it's working already. I may not be any closer to the finish but you think I am so I win but I really am the music helps me finish helps me bring it down so Mephibosheth ate bread continually it said in that chapter I read to you not just once not twice not three times four times he ate at the king's table every day rest of his life the cripple from Lodibar but here's the question somebody said when when did he get healed when did God heal his feet we know God's a healer he healed all through the Bible he healed in the Old Testament he's healed lame men and other cripples but when did Mephibosheth get his physical healing and if I read it right there's no record that he ever did Matter of fact, that's why I had to read the whole chapter to get to the end where it says the last word in the chapter. And he was he was still lame on both feet. But you see, I picture at that banquet table, there was a maybe a table skirt covering that whole table. So when when he took his place at the table, you couldn't see the wounds of his legs. They were covered by grace I'd like to be able to tell you everyone here today who's been dropped you've been carrying the pains, the scars the wounds of something for a long long time I'd like to be able to tell you that God will completely take all of that away from you in your memory forever I can tell you he'll do that with your sins I can tell you he'll do that with your sinful past and make a brand new person out of you But hear me, I've got to be honest. There's some scars, some wounds, some pains. So severe, we're going to carry them every day the rest of our life. You'll carry them all the way until you get to the gates of that heavenly city. When you get to those gates, you're going to leave those on this side of the gate. When you step into the glory, the presence of God's eternity. But the point is, if, you, if you've got to carry some of the scars and the wounds of things that have happened in the past when you got dropped, don't try to carry them alone in Lodibar. Amen. Come to the king's table. Come live in the palace. You know what David did? David called the old servant in, Ziba. And he said, how many sons do you have? He said, I've got 15. How many servants do you have? He said, I've got 20, 35 people. He said, all right, you 35 sons and servants, I want you to quit doing everything you've been doing. And I want you just to take care of this one man, Mephibosheth. And they started planting and harvesting food for him and those 35. Listen, you don't have to go at it alone. You don't have to be by yourself. Look who God's blessed us with. You that are watching online, look if you can't see here in this church today, a house full of people. You are not alone. God's blessed us with each other. And you've gotten an invitation from the King to come to His table. Amen? Stand to your feet with me. All over this place. I ask the prayer partners to come if they would and be prepared here at the front. Would you close your eyes in prayer and I ask the Lord... Lord touch every heart we've been praying already since the invitation came that the Lord was going to touch lives in these services and he did in the morning service and I have an inclination some of you are here today and you say it's me preacher I've been dropped I've been dropped if you ask yourself a question is it me if you have to ask the answer is no probably not you but if the whole time I've been preaching the Holy Spirit has been saying he's talking to you He's talking to you today. This is your day. This is your Sunday morning. If you're already at the table of the Lord in the King's, could you close your eyes, just thank Him and praise Him right where you are, all over this place. And while you're worshiping Him and praising Him and thanking Him, if you're here, you say, it's me, I've been dropped, I need prayer. I want you to step out from where you are. And come quickly right up here to the front. And you're not alone somebody's going to be here to minister to you thank you for coming come come that's it come if nobody else comes but they're coming so you ought to just go ahead and come if you can't come by yourself step out and come come on if you want one somebody to pray with you come up to them if you want to come and pray right here in the altar you come maybe you got dropped a long time ago maybe it's been a recent one maybe everybody in the church knows it maybe nobody in the church knows it but you know it you've been dropped, you've been hurt, you've been wounded but there's grace here there's mercy here oh the Lord is here how many raise your hand, do you believe the Lord is present to do a great work stretch forth your hand to these hurting people that have come for prayer today The singers are going to sing, and as they do, obey the Lord. The altar is open. Fill it up, and let's seek the face of God.
1: Amen. Thanks so much for watching us online. We're so blessed to to live in an era where we can come to you uh, on this platform and be able to preach the gospel and worship with you right in your home. I don't know where you are today with the Lord, but uh, I want to close this time with prayer and whatever needs you have let's bring them to the Lord right now but especially if you're not serving the Lord if you've never accepted Christ into your heart right now's the time to do that all you have to do is open your heart and say Lord come in I believe Jesus is Lord forgive me of my sins I want to change you make that decision in your heart then God's going to come in and he's going to do the rest Romans 10 verses 9 and 10 says if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, then you'll be saved. In the book of Acts, it said, call upon the name of the Lord, and you shall be saved. So let's pray for these two issues right now, okay? Pray with me. Father in heaven, I open up my heart. I repent of all my sin, and I ask Jesus into my life right now, and I thank you that my sins are gone, and I thank you that my life is changed in Jesus' name. Now, Lord, I bring before you all the needs of the audience that's watching right now. Everyone who's hurting, they're struggling, they have issues going on. We bring those needs to the throne of God in the name of Jesus. And we ask you, Father, to meet them, to bless right now through the power of your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody can say amen. Hey, we love you. Thank you for following us. Thank you for watching us online. And I hope to see you again.